نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته everyone and uh, good evening uh, thank you so much jazakallah khair for joining us for this uh, i believe it's now the third edition of uh, friday night mic drop uh, the idea is that we uh, bring on some um, interesting guests uh, and talk about you know topics that are, are relevant to us um, that are uh, important to uh, our lives that have to do something with uh, what's going on uh, in our communities and around the world um, and also take get a slightly different take so of course you know a lot of times these relevant topics are being covered uh, in the media you know we're we're getting we're seeing news stories uh, online uh, radio television uh, so and social media of course so we're surrounded with media around us uh, but the idea with friday night mic drop is to sort of go behind the headlines uh, behind those sound bites uh, get some conversations thoughts reflections from the heart uh, while at the same time of course talking about uh, the issue in, in in a bit of a general manner as well uh, so tonight inshallah we'll be covering a very uh, we'll be discussing a very uh, important topic i think which is very relevant to uh, many people in our communities and of course that has to do with going back to school uh, during the pandemic um, now as we all know uh, schools uh, closed uh, for March break and uh, didn't really open, uh, or at least not fully, uh, until um, last week or a couple of weeks ago for some schools. Uh, there is a, quite a bit of anxiety if you read the headlines, uh, and I say that as a media person, you read the headlines, uh, and uh, they don't sound to be very reassuring. So inshallah tonight, uh, we're going to be trying to take, get uh, some thoughts and reflections, some insights from two uh, very distinguished guests, uh, so first of all, uh, we are very pleased to have with us uh, Dr. Asma Amjad. Uh, she's, uh, inshallah, uh, a local uh, physician, but also vice president of the Muslim Medical Association of Canada. Uh, welcome, Dr. Asma. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for having me. Assalamualaikum. for joining us. And also, uh, we have with us another very uh, distinguished guest, uh, Dr. Muhammad Salim, uh, who is uh, the principal of uh, uh, the Muslim Association of Canada's uh, Abrar Elementary School here in Ottawa. Uh, welcome, Dr. Salim. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakallah khair for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, so let, let's start off with um, you're both, mashallah, parents. Um, you have children, um, and you are very um, much at the forefront uh, of what many families are going through uh, with. Uh, back to school. So uh, let's start off uh, with uh, Dr. Muhammad Salim, um, parent, principal as well. Uh, I'm sure a lot of changes. Um, before we get into what's actually happening in school, uh, how have you been feeling about this school year? Um, I guess um, in, I would say, uh, apprehensive would be one of the words that comes to my mind uh, but uh, at the same time uh, alhamdulillah it's an uh, opportunity for us to grow in new directions um, as a school and as a school principal um, we are finding new ways of doing things new ways of teaching and learning that you know we did not really um, uh implement before at the school so it's a challenge and a, as well at the same time it's an opportunity alhamdulillah alhamdulillah 
Alhamdulillah. Uh, Dr. Asma, you know, you probably have more insights about this pandemic and about uh, this virus uh, more than most members of the community, uh, most and most parent, uh, more than most parents out there. Uh, as a, you know, as a mother um, of uh, of at least, I believe, one school age child, um, how are you feeling uh, at this stage in September? Yeah, assalamualaikum, everyone. Um, it is uh, definitely a very unusual start to the school year. I think I was looking on um, different social media, as you said, we're kind of being bombarded these days. And people were recounting, you know, the past few years when it's like, okay, here's my child's first day of school, and they had photos and first time on the bus and that kind of thing. And so this year is definitely very unusual, very different. Uh, but nonetheless, um, like Dr. Salim said, it gives us an opportunity to explore, you know, the extent, uh, the extent of humanity, what we can do, uh, because education is extremely, extremely important. And uh, to keep that education up, I'm just so proud of all of the school boards um, across the nation, especially uh, in Ottawa, the uh, different school boards here and as well as the Islamic schools, how they're working so, so hard. And you can see that. You can see how hard they're working for the past several weeks to try and get everything uh, back to normal. With respect to myself, um, yeah, that's true. I have uh, children who is... Um, and, and children across across the board. Um, some are in university, so they're online. Uh, you know, Ottawa, Carleton, U, all the universities are online. And then uh, the younger one again. Um, we decided to keep him home for online learning. Uh, so I think hopefully it should work out. Um, but again, there are uh, other parents who are switching. Like some started on on site now they're coming back online and some have are doing the opposite so it, people are confused uh, they're not sure and there's a lot of uncertainty so right now we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty and that's okay sometimes that's okay and we have to deal with that um, so to just accept that uncertainty I think is the biggest thing um, Dr. Salim um, I'm sure um, you are probably dealing with uh, as principal you're probably dealing with a lot of questions uh, a lot of parents who are quite anxious, as Dr. Esma just mentioned. Um, how do you deal with that? Like, um, I'm sure the the the, the concern uh, from parents is uh, probably very valid. Um, how do you reassure parents uh, and at the same time, you know, have uh, children coming into the school? Um, and how do you make this work? Of course. Um... You know, one of the things that, subhanAllah, uh, that we are, um, we have learned to deal with each concern on a case-by-case -case basis because every family is unique um, and has very unique needs and, and concerns associated with their needs. And we have to deal with them on a case-by-case -case basis. And we see, we are seeing on the ground um, you know, parents with very diverse set of, you know, reactions and, and positions on uh, the pandemic and, and you know, on uh, the, uh, on coming back to school during this time. Um, so uh, we, we have learned to really, one of the things that we have uh, from the onset, uh, we have learned very quickly that, you know, we have, we cannot really have uh, blanket policies and assume that it will meet the needs of every family in the school. So we have to cater to their needs uh, as much as we can 
within the uh, you know within the system of the school as a whole uh, the other thing is that uh, we understand uh, an important uh, that you know parents are partners <clears throat> with us in uh, in uh, you know playing an important role in uh, achieving the uh, safety a safe learning environment for everybody and and in that uh, also the students play a very significant role the teachers play a significant role so in in that with that understanding you know comes the need for transparency and open communication um, so making sure that we are communicating with our com community about policies not just about the policies but especially in these circumstances the the rationale behind the policies right which is more important because once a person has that sense of understanding why a certain policy has been implemented then they'll be so much more committed and not only committed but also they will have the um the level of patience that may otherwise not exist if they did not understand why a certain policy has been implemented and and you know the school uh, as dr asma was saying has been defined by you know a lot of new policies and procedures in place and 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 people really need to wrap their mind around it and make sense of why we're having this why are we asking students to come from different designated exits why are we you know uh, not letting them access the play structure in the school you know mm -hmm. all of these are uh, it requires a lot of patience to you know uh, um uh, uh, to uh to be able to respond to these questions because the same question can be asked by many uh different parents uh again and again and again so you have to have the patience to you know absorb that and 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 also uh respond in a manner that makes sense to the person who's asking those questions mm -hmm. so, absolutely so communication uh is, uh is is a very important part of it uh on part of the school of course, I'm part of uh, you know Ottawa Public Health as well, um, and, and you know medical experts and doctors as well. But uh, before we continue, uh, Dr. Singh, if you could just uh, maybe tell us uh, what the school day is looking like. Are the students uh, in classrooms as they were before? Uh, is it a hybrid model? Are there students studying online? Like, so what's the setup at Abroad? So we have uh, we are offering um, students. Um, we have the in-person program. And at the same time, uh, we have a voluntary online program that the students can uh, access. In, in our situation, we don't have a dedicated team focusing on the online program. So we have students that are take, attending online, but attending remotely, but they join the live. Uh, we are broadcasting our class sessions live. So they join the in-person program remotely. In addition to, to that, we have we're leveraging the Google Classroom as a common learning platform between the in-person and the online program. So uh, our baseline basically, what uh, since it's very difficult for teachers to manage two programs at the same time, sure. uh, our, our baseline has been that we, um, we prepare for the online program and then we adapt that program to the in-person program. And I that, alhamdulillah, is working. The school day for those who are attending in person, it's very different. Um, we have divided the school into uh, different cohort zones. 
uh, that have designated exits, not only when they enter and leave the school building, but throughout the day. Uh, they have designated washrooms. So one cohort doesn't mix with another cohort in the school throughout the school day. Uh, we have minimized, uh, there are no more school assemblies. We have virtual school assemblies. And, you know, uh, as I uh, was mentioning that, you know, this situation is challenging, but also has presented itself with many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, one such opportunity is um, we have like, uh, we are broadcasting live the daily morning askar and duas. So you have families joining us in the morning that, you know, so this is giving them access in a way that it didn't give them access before. We have the Juma Khutbah being broadcast live to the students who are online. So, you know, there are some good uh, stories. One parent, I was having a live Q&A session with parents last night. And one of the parents commented that, you know, uh, something good that came out of this is that my kids are now praying at home on time. Uh, Because when the time for Salah comes for Salat al-Zuhr, the whole school, you know, takes a break and goes and prays. So that automatically prompts them to go ahead and pray at the same time as well. So those are some of the things. Um, and and we have um, um, we have definitely um, uh, limited the interaction of uh, students with each other, uh, and we have even divided the uh, play play area in the in the school into different zones. So, so one. Group- what would you say is the, is the breakdown between students who are uh, coming in person versus those who are staying at home and learning online? So we have about one third of the student body uh, that is uh, that opted to go online to attend online. Okay. So, um, so Dr. Asma, um, you know these these measures, some of these measures that uh, Dr. Salim is mentioning, uh, how important are those? I mean, and the reason why I ask that is uh, not to doubt the importance of the measures, but because you know they they are. Uh, difficult for for many students um especially for the younger ones um you know they they have disrupted uh the the routines and norms that were established in schools extremely challenging for teachers as well you know i haven't spoken to tell uh, to, to some teachers as well um so so tell us about you know why why are these measures needed and why are they important yeah, definitely, Dr. Salim, mashallah, I'm very impressed with all the different uh, um, uh, all the care that you're taking with the school, mashallah, that's fantastic. Um, yes, it's very, very important that all these measures are taken um, in account. Um, like you said, when we had the virus in March, we didn't know too much about it. And now as we're going on, we're learning more and more about how the virus is, how it behaves, what it likes, what it doesn't like. Um, so we definitely know that, uh, you know, it, it likes to um, uh, infect as many people as possible. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are or what, what you uh, do. Um, with uh, the virus itse- itself, we have to make sure that, you know, wearing the, the masks is appropriate. Um, you know, isolating yourself if you, if you get sick, not, not coming to school. Uh, Auto Public Health does have a um, online uh, um, survey you can take before you before you come in um, to make sure that you're not sick and if she, you should come in or not. And then, of course, you know, hand sanitization. So these are the basic things. The most important thing here is that we have to make sure that we have um, 
you know, enough, uh, you know, I guess ammunition in place to make sure that virus doesn't uh, hit or doesn't cause any uh, anybody to get infected. So everything Dr. Salim is talking about is very important just because of the way the virus spreads and the transmission. So um, it spreads from person, uh, it's, it spreads as droplets. So somebody could cough or sneeze or something. Uh, those people shouldn't be coming to school. But if you have somebody who's asymptomatic and they don't know that they have it, then that mask and that hand washing and keeping um, at least one foot, one meter apart will definitely be helpful to help prevent that transmission. Um, and so again, you know, disinfecting surfaces and that kind of thing. Um, initially, we thought it was, you know, uh, it was kind of, I think it was kind of maybe sensationalized a bit in the media that, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the surface and how the the virus remains on surfaces for um, you know for up to three days and and that is true, um, but I think the most it's not a negligible um, area to uh, we should still be disinfecting. But the most important thing is again just the closeness of of people. So I know there was a paper that came out of um, Sick Kids in Toronto and they were talking about um, you know in, reducing the two meters to uh, just one meter and uh, they found that that was um, that was acceptable. And then again, just um, all the measures are talking about is just again, just to prevent um, the transmission uh, and to slow it down. So again, you know, now that we've ended that now that we've actually entered the second uh, wave, everyone's talking about the second wave that we've entered. Uh, again, flattening the curve is very, very important, um, just because we want to make sure that um, the healthcare system is not overburdened. So again, everybody needs to get their flu shot. Um, we don't want more people sick than um, than needed. So you know, people who are asthmatic, people who have chronic illnesses, um, if they can, you know, make sure they have uh, enough, they're in inhalers, make sure they have their flu shots. And uh, because right now it's going to be very, very difficult to tell whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, whether it's the cold, it's going to be nearly impossible. So putting all these measures in place, very, very important uh, to make sure that people don't get sick with whatever virus, whether it's, you know, influenza or coronavirus or para-influenza or rhinovirus, whatever virus it might be that peaks in this time. Um, that will really, really help uh, the healthcare system, and it will definitely help, um, you know, transmission and to reduce the rate of transmission of the virus until we get a vaccine at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, seen, uh, you know, reports a growing number, a growing list uh, of schools uh, in the city uh, or in the region, rather, Ottawa and Gatineau, uh, with uh, cases of um, of COVID nineteen uh, in students or, and or staff. Um, what does that mean and how concerning is that? And I'd like to highlight the difference between a, a person with a positive case uh, versus an outbreak. So if you could maybe shed some light on that. Yeah, for sure. So if somebody has, uh, if there's one person who has COVID in, in the school, that's one positive case. And of course, everybody gets notified. An outbreak is where you have two or more, or more people. And it's the same demographic, um, uh, the same source, I guess you can say. So there's a demographic link there. So it's, you know, it's one school that has in one classroom, you have, uh, you know, two or more people infected. So that's the outbreak versus uh, just a case. So um, it's very important at this point that, you know, the, the student, um, if they have symptoms, like I said, first of all, it's prevention. Like if you're sick, don't go to school. Um, and if somebody does test positive, then of course, um, they have to, um, sorry, if somebody is sick and then they have to, they have to get tested. Right. So now auto public health has sent out, um, emails.
in the area saying that, uh, you know, basically if anybody has any child or anybody has any type of symptoms, they should get tested. So um, there are protocols that they follow and they're very, very well done. Um, and they have to make sure that um, if somebody has symptoms or if somebody um, does test positive out of school, then we look for close contacts. So if you have somebody in your class um, and they're in close contact with you. Um, and there's different definitions of that. Um, one of the definitions is that, you know, you, you've been in close contact, uh, less than two meters um, without a mask. And there are all these different types of definitions that they look at and uh, different parameters. So um, if you are in close contact in the same classroom, then yes, the whole classroom likely will have to get tested. But again, auto public health will guide people on that. And um, if you are, if there's a positive uh, case in one classroom, but maybe not the entire school, and you are in a different part of the school, again, uh, you know, they'll do a needs assessment to see the risk, the risk, um, the, a risk assessment to see how uh, bad is the risk and whether everybody needs to get tested in the entire school. Usually not. Usually not but it's usually uh, just the people who are in close contact. So meaning in that same classroom, um, that's usually what they do. But again, every case is different and Ottawa Public Health will deal with it individually. Mm -hmm. So here we have, uh, you know, like I said, a growing list um, of schools uh, and that's, I guess, expected, right? Because, um, you know, as uh, students gather together, um, as people come into closer contact with each other um, and as uh, the number of cases in the city grows, um, it is expected that you know more and more schools will be impacted. How concerned uh, should parents be when their uh, when their child's school makes it onto that list? Yes, I have noticed that. I think there it's on the uh, Ministry of um, uh, Ontario. Uh, guidelines, they have the list there and they're updating it every day, which is great. If your school is there, again, you will be called by Ottawa, Ottawa Public Health first, I believe. They will contact you. Um, the schools we're seeing right now are the ones that started a few weeks ago. So uh, usually you're not going to see any school on there until like two weeks after. Um, so these schools start in September. So usually it takes like about two weeks for that to happen in anything. You know, even for Canada Day, people were having parties, unfortunately, like, and, um, um, then after two weeks later, we got, you know, a higher um, higher number of uh, COVID positive cases. And that happened a few times with different holidays and, and that kind of thing. So um, having your school on that list is um, is important. I mean, it is uh, concerning, definitely. But before it gets there, you will get a call from public health saying, OK, your child was in contact or is in close contact or it's the same school and this is what you need to do. Um, either you'll be asked, uh, you know, to come be tested or self-isolate at home um, or uh, if you weren't in close contact, then you can still attend uh, as long as it's not a huge outbreak and it was just limited to the people in the class or maybe it's just one case. Um, so it really, really depends. Yeah. Dr. Salim, how much of a concern is it for you as a principal um, and for your parents to not have your school, inshallah, show up on that list? It's definitely a concern. Um, you know, there's a still a lot of um, um, I guess uh, misunderstanding or maybe um, uh, there's a lot of fear associated with the pandemic and 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 parents are very concerned um, and you know having this uh, school appear on that list will definitely you know, trigger uh, and exacerbate those fears amongst the parents uh, and amongst the students. You know, uh, it, it, one thing that really 
uh, was uh, a change in the students that I saw this year uh, is how serious they are and, and how much concerned they are as well regarding their personal safety. Uh, and, and you can see that in their eyes, in their, on their expressions. So, you know, this is uh, when you see that on a child's face, you know that it is very real. And, and you know that, you know, that child has been exposed to some con adult conversations, you know, and that adult conversation has been reflected on that, on that child's face uh, mm -hmm. when they come to school. So I think it is a very, uh, you know, uh, concerning. Um, I have uh, at the school, you know, with the flu season coming in, uh, like today, my morning was, um, you know, uh, for the first three hours, I was busy sending emails to parents to come and pick up their child because they, they had a runny nose or a cough and, and so on. So that's something that, you know, that kept me occupied. And, and, um, and for each email, we had to deal with uh, not only informing the parents, but also educating them on what to do next. Mm. Right. So which is very important. Um, so uh, I can definitely see that, you know, like Dr. Asma was saying, maybe the, the schools that are listed on that list uh, represent uh, schools that started early on. And, you know, maybe after the two weeks, three weeks, you know, down the road, we will see how things unfold, even at Abra Elementary School. Now, you know, so far we've been talking about, um, you know, about concern, um, about anxiety, uh, things that don't really give us too much reassurance. Uh, so let's look at it the other way, perhaps. Uh, Dr. Asma, when there's a reported case, a positive case at a school, uh, a, a person who tests positive, a student or staff member um, at a school, what does that not mean? Because I think, uh, you know, and the reason why I ask that question is that, um, we're so accustomed to, of course, getting concerned, and rightfully so. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if we, you know, maybe there's uh, unnecessary fear uh, or, um, you know, uh, anxieties that perhaps uh, are not really uh, founded, you know, in, in reality. So, so, so let's look at that aspect now. So, if there is a positive case, uh, it, it doesn't have to be a school. It could be in a masjid. We've had some some masjid that have cases as well. Uh, what does it not mean? Or even for a person to contract or test positive for COVID-19, what does it not mean? Yeah, you know, I actually, when Dr. Salim was talking, I was going to actually jump in and say that um, if your school is on that list, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's not a blacklist. Um, in fact, it's not that we don't, ex we expect, you know, it's kind of like, it's not a matter of, oh, we hope it's not going to happen. It's just a matter of when the majority of schools will have some outbreaks. So um, don't, I don't think anyone should feel bad if they're on that list. It's not a, it's not like a blacklist. Um, everybody can do all the right things. And uh, like you said, um, if there are people who aren't following the rules and they're not behaving, and I've impressed this upon parents so many times, they come in and have their children vaccinated. And uh, the other day I had somebody come in and she said, well, you know, I just had some allergies. And I said, well, 
right now any symptom that you get you can't go in like if, even if you think it's allergies or it's whatever right now like i said anything is pretty much COVID until proven otherwise so if you have any symptoms whatsoever please 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 do not go into school have it checked out have have your doctor look at it um have it tested if necessary it's very very important in children specifically we find anything from like a mild rash or like a tummy ache to some nausea a bit of a, you know an eye infection all of these things can can be COVID. it's possible because we've seen this um and the other thing is that it's not something to be afraid of or to be shy of it is something that um it's happening and it's happening everywhere. And I don't think uh, the virus differentiates whether what country it's in or what school it's in, whether it's an Islamic school or not an Islamic school. It's just, it just wants humans, right? So um, we have, we can learn from the other um, countries that have gone through it. We can learn from best practices is what we can do. That's um, uh, that we learn from uh, other places, like other countries that we know that have shut, you know, open and then shut down. They didn't have the best practices, but other uh, schools and uh, countries have, have done very, very well. Um, so I think it's something that we ourselves should uh, take pride in that we are doing the best we can. And this is something inevitable. It's going to happen. And until unless we find a solution, until we find a vaccine, um, I can definitely tell you this is not something to uh, get anxious or nervous about because it's inevitable and I don't think that anybody is really immune from it until we attain like I said a vaccine or herd immunity which is far off but it will happen inshallah at some point inshallah so um, so I think yeah that's that's a really important point you know to highlight that if a school shows up or any other place whether it's a business a place of worship uh, a restaurant you know any place that shows up on a list or has reported uh, you know positive case uh, of COVID-19 uh, it, like you said, Dr. Smile, I like that. It's not a blacklist. Um, and uh, who knows, right? I mean, the way I look at it is that, you know, there's a good chance that wherever I'm going that, you know, the virus is there. It's just that we don't know about it or, you know, someone just hasn't tested positive about it. So you sort of assume, uh, obviously, we're not believing that it's absolutely everywhere, but that, you know, there's a good chance that it could be present and therefore it is important to take precautions. Um, and, um, and you know, if a person, and Dr. Smith can correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, and I posted this like way back in February or March when this was all starting up here uh, in Canada that, you know, uh, inshallah, you know, 97% of people, you know, will survive or even those who, who actually contract the virus. That's not to, you know, diminish its its severity, uh, especially in, in, in certain number of people. Uh, but it's just to say that, you know, it's not all uh, doom and gloom. Uh, and at the end of the day, it is uh, a, a challenge, uh, a, a, a test for us, of course, Illness has come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who ultimately cures us and protects us. But we have to do our part. Uh, but inshallah, you know, we take it seriously, right? So we take it seriously and we we uh, take the measures that we are advised to take. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we don't uh, treat it like, uh, you know, it's it's the end of the world and that no one is, is, is going to survive. Uh, and of course, that's not also to minimize uh, the the loss uh, of of life and you know people who have passed away uh, and those who have uh, suffered greatly. So uh, anything uh, you want to add to that message of reassurance, uh, Dr. Esma? 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The fatality rate rate is very extremely, extremely low. We know uh, the people who do get it, and they they get it pretty uh, terribly. And it's those people who are, um, you know, in the older age group. We find that um, after age 50, 60, 70, it grows exponentially. People who have any type of chronic illnesses, asthma, heart disease, cancers, immunosuppressed. Um, the good thing is, is that children, when children get it, they don't get it that badly. And that's probably why the schools have decided to open and public health has recommended it that even if kids do get it it's not as bad their symptoms are not bad but that doesn't mean that they can't spread it so even if they get it and they don't get it as badly and we also know that um, the younger you are it's it's much um, uh, less severe symptoms and the older you are it gets more and more closer to adult kind of symptoms so um, it's uh, one of those things that it's kind of like a double-edged sword like yes children get it but they don't get it as bad and they recover quite quickly and some of them are asymptomatic but unfortunately they can uh, be, be those uh, asymptomatic spreaders um, that's the that's the, the problem with it and and right now I don't think we have enough studies or anything and nobody's willing to call it out uh, even the specialists um, talk to many of them and you know it's it's just one of those things and like you said imam um it's one of those things where you know subhanallah what you know it's it's truly you know the power of allah Pantala that you know we are so weak without him we can't do anything um everything is truly in his hands and uh, you know many people have even told me that this ramadan they were so happy just that they could stay home or that they had more time to do ibadah it's kind of like allah Pantala was pre pushing you know a reset button or something just to get us all back you know uh, humble ourselves or something so you know even if, if you want to comment on the spiritual aspect which you have i think that's so important to bring in as dr Salim said you know like uh, many kids are even praying on time and asking all this to get rid of the virus and uh, this type of thing so these type of things i think bring us back to our dean as well absolutely exactly for that and i mean on that note dr Salim, i know mashallah your khatib as well uh, you know, we had you on our, in our rotation as well until, of course, you got busy with school. Um, so, you know, what message do you give, uh, especially to your students, uh, being the principal of an Islamic school, um, from the spiritual aspect? Um, you know, I, have, I mean, of course, there's the physical measures that we are uh, trying to take. Um, but from a spiritual perspective, and especially relating to children, uh, what message do you give your students? Of course. Um... I think in one of the uh, khutbahs uh, that I had shared with the students, uh, I was focusing on a dua that was taught to our beloved Prophet Muhammad uh, during the time of the hijrah, just as he was about to embark on the hijrah from Makkah to Medina. And, you know, we, are, we just finished the month of Muharram, and today is the first of Safar. And the dua that the Prophet was uh, taught was Rabbi Adkhilni Madkhala Sitkhum wa Akhrijni Makhraja Sitkhum wa Jalni Min Ladunka Sultan and Nasira. And when we reflect on this dua, uh, it is talking about, uh, you know, leaving a place uh, that we are familiar with, leaving our comfort zone, so to speak, and going into a new, new setting, into a new uh, place that may come with a lot of uncertainty and in this dua allah is uh, you know teaching the prophet um, to ask for the for 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 things to to in this uncertain uncertainty that we are heading into to show us the path of truth and i was 
sharing this with the students and I was saying, you know, SubhanAllah, this is similar to how we are about, you know, you have left the comfort and the familiarity of the surroundings of your home and you're coming back into this, into the school. The school looks very different with all these new set, new rules and procedures in place. And it, it has become a place of uncertainty because you're interacting with others whom, with whom you don't know, you know, um, uh, how, uh, you know, the pandemic might unfold and so on. Um, and, and this dua really brings home, uh, you know, uh, the importance of relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in anything that we, you know, undertake. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was teaching the Prophet to really observe the true surrender uh, that comes with complete trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and we need to exhibit the same level. And at the same time, uh, you know, the dua ends, ends with وَجَعَلْنِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ سُلْطَانًا نَصِيرًا that to grant me a governing authority so to 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 allow me to you know to 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 a certain level control give control of my affairs in my hands because you do not want to find yourself in the control of somebody your your fate is in the hands of somebody who may not have any mercy on you right so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the same time is teaching us in this dua that uh we can make a difference with our efforts if we if we put if we observe the rules if we if we tie the camel and then trust in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inshallah that camel will not run away right uh, so so basically this is the uh, you know uh, one of the uh, messages that i was sharing with and subhanallah as all of us are aware our deen has an amazing heritage of you know uh, of of resilience, you know of teaching resilience uh, uh, to us, and 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 you know that is one of the things that we see, Subhanallah, in our kids. They are so resilient, Mashallah. Uh, uh, you know, despite all the uh, stories that you know uh, that are constantly on uh, uh, are unfolding in the popular media regarding the pandemic. And I'm sure our kids are listening to this on the radio as they're driving to school, as they're going home, right? As they're going to the masjid and as they're sitting with adults, they're listening to all of these conversations, but there's a lot of mashallah uh, resilience in the kids, the way they are taking it in stride, uh, even with the parents, alhamdulillah, uh, in, in the, at least from my own personal experience at Abrar school, we are seeing the parents, you know, taking this in stride uh, and really uh, doing their part in, in terms of following the rules and being patient and being understanding. So alhamdulillah, there's a lot of khair, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in our community uh, and amongst the Muslims. So alhamdulillah, it's very good to see that. Alhamdulillah. Um, Dr. Asma, you know, we find, uh, of course, there is the, the issue um, of, of the, the, the virus and the pandemic uh, itself. Um, but then I guess related to the pandemic are the sort of side effects, uh, especially on uh, mental health, for example, um, uh, physical health with regards to, uh, you know, exercise, things like that. So, I mean, apart from the, the, the direct impacts or effects of, uh, of this virus, what should parents be on the lookout for? Or what are sort of, the, sort of some of the concerns with regards to the well-being of children overall? That is uh, a 
amazing question, Iman Saab. Really, I think this is the biggest thing um, that we're seeing right now, subhanAllah. Like, um, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Basically, since the pandemic has been happening and there is a state of emergency and there's lockdown, there has been so much uh, more um, with respect to mental health issues. Uh, I can start with the adults first because I know for sure um, we're seeing uh, just more mental health resources being needed, being utilized, being set up, which is fantastic and people um, needing them. Um, I know for sure that uh, you know it affects children as well. So when you look at your kids and you see them, that uh, you know they, there's a lot of um, addiction that's happening, especially to online gaming, um, addiction that's happening to you know just uh, um, any type of electronic devices or media. Uh, we as adults, you know, we can you know handle it or we can look at it and then put it away, or maybe some of us can't. And for children, it's all the much worse, right? So um, we have to be very, very careful in making sure that um, children get a proper balance of all these things. So uh, in younger children, it's one hour per day, in older children, two hours per day um, of, uh, you know, screen time, basically. And I don't know anybody who's actually sticking to that. And that's from the Canadian Pediatric Society. Especially um, with that? Especially with online school, right? I mean, yes, yes, it's not one hour or two hours a day. Yeah, exactly. So um, this is, I guess, this is above and beyond school. But yeah, so now, absolutely correct. It's it's becoming very very difficult. And um, parents, I know, will be like, okay, well, you know, I have to work, so p parents are working from home, and then you have the child who's working, um, and a lot of parents had to cut down their work hours so they could, you know, support the child. Um, and that's why many parents actually chose to send them back on site. So you have seventy percent, uh, even in the Ottawa Carlton District School Board, seventy to. 30 split um, who have decided to do that just simply for their mental health is that they need to be around other people. They need to see their friends. Uh, we as adults, we can get up, we can go in the car, we can, you know, go to the mall, put on a mask, all that kind of stuff. But children, they're not able to do that, right? They can kind of go to the park or get on their bike or do something like that. And even teenagers, they're always on their social media. Uh, but young children have a really hard time with that because they're dependent on us to do all these things for them. So very, very important that, you know, parents watch out for these signs. Um, and, uh, you know, things like if, they, if they're constantly complaining of stomach aches, um, this could be something like anxiety. If they are, you know, kind of like off to themselves and they don't want to do something, they're not interested in different things. Uh, children have different um, symptoms that they display, not necessarily what adults do. Um, they kind of display a lot more physical symptoms. So having those symptoms in mind are very, very important. Um, you know, constant headaches or things like that. Um, so looking out for this, bringing them into a healthcare professional, having them assessed. And the most important thing is just balancing their life, just making sure they go outside every day, uh, get fresh air, even in the snow. I know we as um, uh, in our culture, we try to keep the kids in. If you go outside, you're going to catch a cold. But even in the winter, you know, send them out even for 10, 15 minutes of fresh air, just change their scenery. Um, make sure that yes, you know, if they are learning online, yes, they have to spend that much time. There's not much we can do about that. But the rest of the time have them engage engage with their friends like make sure you know they they talk to their grandparents um online or they have their own type of you know zoom birthday parties or things like that if, if you can do stuff like that for them if they can see their friends
friends online, if they can see uh, other relatives and, and know what's happening and just really talk to them. Like Dr. Salim said, it's very important not to just to talk to parents, but children need to know what's going on. Um, whenever there's something going on, I always make sure I talk to my son about it. Um, I get these big long emails from you know their teachers and stuff and I make sure I, I send it to him so he can see it for himself because it, it involves him. Um, and you know, just making sure he, he goes out every day, he's getting fresh air, he's playing outside um, and also seeing uh, relatives when and if uh, 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 you know possible. Um, very, very important just to balance their life out. For that. Um, Dr. Salim, I mean, I know we've talked about, you know, the type of, uh, you know, the concerns that parents have had, uh, children being very careful. Uh, but of course, in every community, in every society, there's all types of people with different uh, perspectives and different approaches to things. Um, how do you uh, cope with uh, or, or deal with parents uh, and or children uh, who are not very much uh, or very um, passionate, let's say, about following the rules? you know it's it's uh, patiently explaining um uh, again and again um uh, without really getting upset um and reminding them about the impact you know our actions can have not only on ourselves but others as well and and also you know taking the approach of um first of all you know educating them uh, what the local health authorities are saying and what works and what does not work. And second, um, also uh, letting, uh, you know, uh, letting people know that, um, that diff people have different understandings and different perspectives about things and definitely about this pandemic and how to deal with it. But to, you know, in a, within a school community, we need to have mutual respect and be able to, um, you know, um, make sure that we make everybody in the school community feel comfortable uh, to come to the school and to ensure that, you know, everybody feels that they're coming to a safe learning environment. Um, so this is one of the, you know, just constant uh, communication and talking patiently, explaining things. I think it works. It takes us, you know, uh, the extra mile with the parents. And for the most part, alhamdulillah, parents are, you know, very understanding uh, in the school. And we have not had any major challenges, alhamdulillah, when it comes to that, with the, either from the students or from the parents or from the teachers and staff as well, right? Everybody's on board. So we are doing, playing our role, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's great to hear. Uh, Dr. Asma, when you look at the history of pandemics, what have you learned? Um, and what do we expect for, for this one, based on what we've learned from the past? Yeah, exactly. So 1918, we had the um, uh, pandemic at that time. And again, the same thing happened. Um, you had the, the second wave around the fall. Uh, same thing in 2009, the H1, H1, H1N1. So basically, it follows the same type of pattern. And, um, you know, my colleagues who are virologists will tell you that. And they these aren't um, internists. They're sub subspecialists and that they're, they study only viruses. Very, very interesting type of behavior. So it's essentially following the same pattern in that, you know, it, it spikes um, and then uh, you see everybody kind of going into lockdown, staying away from each other, wearing masks and that type of thing. And then it reduces um, and then you slowly start opening things up again. And then if you start opening it up too quickly, 
or um, you know people aren't listening and they're not uh, following the rules, then you get that second second wave, um, and then that second wave uh, this time happens to coincide with um, uh, fall as well. And fall, of course, as we know, is the time for you know when all the different viruses um, come. So we get you know the flu season in the fall where people get all sorts of different. Um, viruses. So basically it is essentially following the same pattern and hopefully we're learning from that. And I think we, we are learning from that uh, just to take examples from the past, but also examples from other countries. So it's very important that we learn from uh, different countries, what they've done, how they've done it. And I think by the time it got to North America, we were um, uh, probably a little bit more prepared than they were at that, at that time, just simply because we have social media, you know, something a doctor messages something from Italy when the cases were, you know, so high and then physicians here get it and public health authorities all over the world are connecting in the World Health Organization. So I think now it's definitely, um, uh, you know, better in terms of communication. But yes, I mean, subhanAllah, what can you say? Like this is um, something Allah has, has uh, created uh, these type of viruses and, and this is the behavior they have. So, uh, I guess one of the things, uh, there's two things that I'm sort of uh, picking up over the last uh, 50 minutes or so, uh, or that stand out for me. And I guess the, the first one that I'd like to reiterate uh, generally for our audience is that, number one, uh, if a school, a location, an individual tests positive, uh, it does, it's not a blacklist. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they were at fault. Um, you know, and I was actually listening to the news the other day. Uh, and, you know, the, the wording of the headline, uh, was, I, I actually didn't like because, it was essentially saying that you know um, racialized communities uh, are seeing more cases of COVID nineteen, as if you know they are. It's sort of like insinuating that you know, uh, or, or implying that maybe you should be careful. I mean, I know that wasn't the the intention, but it could be taken that way. That hey, I want to stay away from racialized people because they have more uh, you know cases of COVID nineteen. But rather, uh, I think the intent and Dr. Esmaili, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think the intent was uh, that they they are perhaps more susceptible. Um, because of you know various factors that they are getting it more, not necessarily because of their own fault, but because of the circumstances um, that they are faced with. So um, you know stigmatization, I think you know is uh, is something that we have to be very careful about. Uh, so uh, you know I've known people, Subhanallah, who contracted COVID nineteen, even some elders who passed away sadly, uh, who were doing everything right. They were trying to be as careful as possible. They were staying at home. They were hardly ever going out. Uh, but subhanAllah, it was the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And despite their best efforts, um, you know, they, they were infected and uh, they returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, you know, uh, a stigma uh, is something that we have to be very, very careful about. Um, and secondly, the other thing I'm also learning, uh, especially with regards to, you know, the, the, the mental health impacts of, the, of lockdowns and shutdowns and pandemic in general, is that everyone has a different tolerance level with regards to how much they are able to uh, to bear in terms of, you know, being shut away, being in lockdown, uh, you know, not being able to meet others. So, you know, when we see people who are perhaps not, you know, following everything exactly the way we think it should be, or perhaps the experts are saying that it should be uh, followed, uh, yes, it is a cause for concern for us, but at the same time, perhaps we should be a bit compassionate and recognize that, you know, there may be children, there may be adults, uh, but especially children who are really struggling uh, through through this pandemic, and perhaps um, they 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 are just really you know reaching their limits, and that's why we're seeing um, the type of behavior perhaps that's that that's not uh, you know I ideally uh, you know expected uh, of them. Uh, Dr. Esma, if you want to comment on that briefly. Uh, 
Yeah, sure, Imam Saab. What can I say? You're a journalist, so I'm not going to say anything against um, your no, uh, respected uh, colleagues. But yes, I do catch um, certain uh, title heads from, you know, headlines from time to time. And we are seeing it more in um, different communities. Like in the States, I believe there were study, there were numbers that came that more Hispanics and more African-Americans were getting it. But I think, um, as you know, the whole BLM movement is uh, back up again. Again, um, and it's very, very important. It, it was just kind of revived with what happened uh, recently in the United States. Um, so again, there is this whole concept of systemic racism, right? And um, that's, I believe that it's not due to, like you said, it's not due to anybody's fault. I think it's just they just have a harder access to healthcare, And so maybe they just, you know, don't get access or they're not able to get it or because of that, they're not able to get tested or get the appropriate, you know, uh, support and help and, and you know, medications uh, that they need. So I think this is probably the reason why uh, nobody wants to get COVID and nobody wants to, you know, um, spread it around like you said there are some uh, people who don't listen and they don't behave um and unfortunately um some people you can talk to dr salim i appreciate your suburb and patience with people and if the, if you're talking to them repeatedly that's wonderful um and uh, like you said the majority of people do listen but there are people who, who don't and they just have that mindset that you know initially and i'm sure everybody saw this on social media COVID doesn't exist uh, it's not really there and all sorts of conspiracy theories. And, you know, uh, we know that Facebook and YouTube and all the different social media platforms were going after and doing fact checks to make sure if, if it's correct or not. So, yes, some people you can talk to and they'll understand. Some people you can educate and they'll understand. Other people, they just won't. Um, and unfortunately, this is a part of our community. So we have to deal with them in the best way that we can. Um, and and uh, as you know, you know, there are tough, tough fines uh, for things like this. And I've heard of different protests and things that are happening you know anti-mask and anti this and anti that um, it, this is uh, very very difficult to deal with because everything that the physicians are saying everything that the public health officials are saying it's it's based on you know uh, what we're seeing in the demographics what we're seeing in the population what we see from studies from medical studies uh, none of this is made up none of this is made up it's actually very very true um, and we see people who are in the hospitals and they are dying and they are on respirators. And, you know, there was a point where, you know, in New York, there weren't enough respirators. Um, and so, you know, in Italy, we had doctors had to choose who they were going to give a respirator to and who they didn't. So all of this is very, very real. Um, unfortunately, uh, yes, there are uh, maybe racialized communities who don't get the health care that they need. But this is something that we're going to change in the future. And I think every single organization that I've seen in the past few months has committed to real uh, change down the line, that they are going to take um, things and uh, change it um, so these groups are not racialized and they're not marginalized. Very, very important that we do that, spe specifically us as Muslims, because it's a greater responsibility on us to do that. Um, just simply because we have so many Muslim brothers and sisters who are uh, African-American or they may be from different uh, countries and races. Um, so we have to make sure that we are, are, are the first to uh, get rid of this systemic racism. This is so, so important. Yeah. And also, you know, certain other other demographic factors as well. Right. So, for example, uh, larger family sizes, right, uh, more members of the family. So if one person gets it uh, and they perhaps don't have, you know, a, a separate place where they're able to isolate properly. Uh, so higher chances of you know, more people 
uh, more members of the of the family, you know, getting infected, um, you know, socioeconomic status, uh, exactly. you know, socioeconomic, things like that, right? So, I mean, there's a number of factors uh, that can go into, uh, you know, those types of uh, instances uh, and, and numbers. Um, Dr. Salim, as we wrap up, inshallah, you know, any uh, parting thoughts uh, for the audience? Uh, again, as a, a school principal, uh, as a parent, as a khatib, you know, what, what message do you want to give people? Um, what do you want them to really remember? Because, you know, uh, one of my mentors in journalism told me, people only remember what you start off with and what you end with. So uh, <laughs> what do you want to end with? I was, I was sharing this uh, with the parents uh, last night in, during our live Q&A session with them. Um, and basically that each and every one of us has a very important role to play uh, in contributing towards a safe, uh, in our case, a safe learning environment in the school. And that starts, you know, with the, with the principal at the top to, you know, everybody else, um, the students, the parents, the teachers, and then tying that with, uh, what our dean teaches us which is you know if we do our part and especially if we do it with the intention that i'm doing this for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, because it is my responsibility as 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 a muslim and allah will hold me responsible for this and then i was sharing this with the parents and i was telling them there's another added bonus to this that you can you know uh, you can um, take advantage when you're putting in your efforts when i see the parents going from especially parents that have multiple you know kids enrolled in the school you see them going from exit to exit around the school and and in winter that is going to become very difficult to to observe i was telling that if we do this patiently with the understanding that this is a this is my role that i have to play towards you know contributing towards a safe learning environment and then if i do this and ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept this from me and make this a source of protection for me and my family this in itself we will get the benefit from this so i think if we if all of us go into this with this attitude that everyone has an important role to play and at the end of the day it is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will protect all of us and who will accept it from us right it's our our, our efforts will uh, contribute but the outcome is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so I think this is the message that I would like to give uh, to those who are listening uh, to have the trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, uh, and, and if we have the trust inshallah we will never despair of anything that happens to us uh, we will be content with the outcome inshallah 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 uh, Dr. Asma you know medical expert mashallah medical insights Person of faith, uh, mother, what's your message? Um, so if I have to choose a message, um, I will definitely say um, testing. Testing is number one. Uh, the way we can uh, contain and control this virus is, again, by the usual things that we do, wearing a mask, keeping two feet, uh, two meters apart, um, sanitizing um, and taking all the different precautions. But definitely contact tracing is huge um, and making sure that we get tested. So testing and contact tracing, essentially what it boils down to is who has the virus and who did you give it to? Uh, this is the number one way we can um, 
control control the rate of transmission. And number two is basically make sure that we don't over uh, burden the healthcare system um, because if what we can do is you know making sure that our uh, you know asthma inhalers are up to date we have everything we need so we don't get sick um, as much as we can and uh, uh, if I the last thing I'll say is just please everybody get your flu shot uh, that's the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with there uh, you know you're you're both uh, on the front lines uh, of course, Dr. Esma is a physician, uh, you know, very early on, um, right at the forefront of serving um, everyone, especially uh, our community, providing the masajid, um, uh, part of the COVID-19 task force. Uh, so Jazakallah Khair for all of your efforts. Melis uh, Manotala, keep your family safe. Melis Manotala, reward you for your efforts. Dr. Baham Salim, you're in it as well now, mashallah, in school. Uh, seeing uh, students and parents uh, every day, managing staff, uh, following all the procedures. Uh, so Jazakumullah Khair uh, for your efforts as well. May Allah SWT protect you uh, and uh, your family as well. Uh, May Allah SWT protection uh, be upon us all, uh, all members of our community, uh, children, uh, elders, uh, adults, uh, and all our neighbors as well. So we, we ask Allah SWT uh, to grant us protection and also strength uh, to uh, to make it through this pandemic, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Thank you so much uh, for your insights and your time this evening. Um, it was a, a really, really enlightening conversation. Uh, so my heartfelt gratitude uh, to both of you. Jazakumullah khair. Jazakumullah khair. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. And thank you. Jazakumullah khair to all of our uh, audience. Uh, people who are watching live and also those who uh, will be watching later on. Uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to this edition of KMA Friday Night Mic Drop. Um, we try to touch on relevant topics and get some insights, some heartfelt conversations, not just the facts and figures, but also how people are feeling, um, you know, their reflections. Uh, and we try to, you know, of course, uh, talk about it from a faith-based perspective as well. Uh, so I hope you found uh, this conversation uh, to be enlightening and beneficial. Um, before we leave, I do want to read a comment uh, that we have on our uh, YouTube stream. Uh, and this is from one of my young friends. Uh, she says, Assalamu alaikum, I'm Sikander, it's Aisha. Uh, thank you to you all, and we love you all, and we love you, Aisha, as well, um, and uh, missing you and all of my young friends, uh, missing uh, seeing you at uh, Children's Circle, Family Pizza Night, um, Hikmah School, and of course, all of the other programs and activities that we normally had. Uh, Insha'Allah, uh, through the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will gather uh, once again very soon, Insha'Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and protect you all. Jazakumullah uh, khaira. Wassalamu